This is None of Your Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robert DeLute, and it is my mission to bring you inspiring stories from entrepreneurs, businessmen, and women, students, coaches, or anyone else who's crushing it in life and now doing kick-ass things. We all go through struggles, but we can overcome them and achieve anything, and I'm going to show you how. Thank you for joining us today. Now, let the show begin. And it's Friday. We got my man Eli Weinstein with me today. And, you know, this is such a cool interview. Eli really broke down. And I saw a different perspective on somebody who's struggling with ADHD. Like, I have been diagnosed with ADD and ADHD. And, you know, his perspective on how he struggles and how he managed to, you know, use it not as a crutch, but as a tool to be successful. You know, he's a social work therapist who worked in a psych hospital, in a psych hospital, you know, he's huge part of his community. He works in New York in the West coast. Um, he even created elevation to fill a need to those and struggling and add extra inspiration and motivation into everyday life. You know, he is a new dad. He struggles with body image issues, relationships, general self-esteem. And he's just here to, you know, coach you guys and just really bring inspiration. He's such a cool guy. Um, I really enjoyed this interview. Check him out on uh, Instagram, Twitter, everything that you need to know will be in the show notes, guys. Uh, it just such a super and amazing guy and I'm honored that I got to meet him. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy Please go rate and review this on Apple podcast or Stitcher or iTunes, please. Um, please share this with somebody who is struggling with mental health or maybe somebody who's a new dad, um, or somebody who just wants to, you know, get hooked on a new podcast guys. Like, you know, this is 2020 and we need to embrace everything that we're doing. And, you know, just because you have a mental illness and it doesn't matter what it is, you can overcome that and you can do great things. And Eli is a perfect example of that. So hope you guys enjoy. Please take a screenshot of this on your phone. Tag me and Eli on Instagram. Um, just I really, really think that you guys are going to find value in this. I really, really do. And since it's the new year and we're looking to level up and become the best versions of ourselves, then my friend, Tyler Michael Chauncey of Create Athletes has this new program that if you want to be a part of something, a part of an organization and feel like you belong, then th the Create Tribes program that Michael has going on right now is something that you can be a part of. You know, you'll have your own custom workout and diet and nutrition plan, but you're going to be a part of a community and help each other build to each goals. You know, it's like, it's like a mastermind, but for fitness guys, it's, you know, I, you guys know me and I don't support or promote anything that I don't personally believe in and just watching her clients and seeing the transformation that they go on and knowing Michael 
on a personal level and the dedication that she has is just amazing so if you're looking to you know maybe compete in bodybuilding or just need to get in the gym then hit up michael chauncey on facebook tyler michael chauncey on instagram um the link for the next five days or so will be in the show notes for the create tribe um there's like a limited spot uh if you want to be part of tribe one i highly recommend it guys so go get it go be great go inspire and you know but but do that after the podcast love you guys talk to you soon two three and we're going so who are you what do you do hey my name is ellie weinstein you know i'm a a therapist full-time uh work with people from all ages my youngest client is eight years old my oldest client is 75 right now it's exciting definitely in a wide range so why did you get into that um it's a great question uh when i was younger my family went through some things i went through some things and I struggled with ADHD and went to a therapist and it was very helpful. And I felt, Hey, I love people. I love talking to people, love listening to people, hearing their stories and um, didn't want really people to suffer um, and help them as much as I could. So I became a therapist. Right on. And how old were you again? When you went to now? No, no. When you went to your first therapist, I was about probably 10 years old because of my ADHD. Okay. Okay. And with that, did you uh, take any medication or did you just do talk therapy? Um, It was a psychiatrist and the time psychiatry was seeing you for like 45 minutes. Mm. And yeah, I was, um, I was taking medication. I was on Adderall, Ritalin, Concerta, all the ones, all those good ones. Okay. And like, do you still take those medications? No, I've worked really hard on learning to look at it as a tool my ADHD is now it's to use I find it very powerful and um, have learned ways to overcome it instead of it being a hindrance it's now something that I utilize a lot multitasking um, energy excitement that kind of stuff is something that I've used a lot to help me and I haven't taken any medications since college I would say mm. so did you like have to like lean off the medication? Like what was your process on that? Um, talked to the psychiatrist. She said if it was up to you and I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And I feel great. Cool. So if somebody is like trying to get off that medication and like they don't think they can do it, um, what are the advantages that they could use some of the methods that you picked up? So <clears throat> one of the struggles of ADHD is your mind jumping from thought to thought and being overexcited and over energetic. And, and I felt that I use that when I am having a job or things where I have to do a lot of stuff. Um, and it's also about learning who you are. ADHD is different. Each person, my ADHD is different than someone else's ADHD. So they have to learn their, their, like the power that they have. Some people it's hyperactivity. Some people it's lack of attention. Yeah. So um, it's hard to say like a like a specific tool or skill that I've learned because my ADHD is very different than someone else's. But for me, it was basically embracing the struggle, embracing it, and letting it um, go with the flow, basically. 
Mm, yeah, I uh, I used to take Adderall uh, for my ADHD, and then I quit obviously because I'm a drug addict. So um, like since I I think I was like 15 when I got on Adderall the first time, and I just abused the fuck out of it. So yeah. Now that I'm a recovering drug addict, I don't take that medication. Um, I do have lots of caffeine to try and just keep the stimulant going. Yeah. But I do like how I do feel like I have an advantage. You know, when I was waiting tables and bartending, like I could just bounce all over the place. And yeah. that was super, super helpful. Um, so I, I like that. And I don't like how like there's a stigma that ADHD is like a bad thing. And uh, yeah but it it's not like just embrace like you were saying embrace who you are get to know who you are and you know live the journey so and a lot of the kids that i work with the, they come in with struggling with behaviors in school and the parents are like fix them fix them fix them give them meds give them meds give them meds and sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not and it depends on the kid it depends on the person meds is not always the answer and sometimes they just need someone to role model and to teach them how to actually behave appropriately and correctly in the right setting. And sometimes they're just so overexcited and too much energy that the, the school setting is not the most, um, the best thing possible for their, their outlet, you know? Yeah. Sitting on a desk for eight hours a day for anyone. It's, it's it a would, struggle for anyone. Yeah. So, so if like your first session with a client, mm -hmm. what would the process be? With what depends on the why they're there. Okay, so for like somebody with ADHD. So first, I just in the beginning, especially the first few sessions, it's more about getting to know each other because it is a relationship. It's a professional relationship, but it's mm -hmm. a relationship to get to see the vibe, see if you the chemistry. Because sometimes the best therapist with the client who is the most motivated sometimes don't work because the vibe and the the uh, chemistry is not there. So mm -hmm. you have to see if you have that first. You can be the best therapist practicing for over 40 years. You know all the tools and tricks, but if you don't hit it off with your client and the client doesn't like you or enjoy being with you, it doesn't work. It needs, yeah. to, it needs to have two people. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. I get to know them, talk about the story, let them tell me their story instead of reading the intake or whatever paperwork it's already given to me. That's a very robotic process of how they ask the questions. So I like to hear it in their words and what they're going through and just be there with them. That's really the first few sessions is just to get to know them. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> I know like probably because of the legal reasons, you obviously can't probably talk a lot about that, but have you had like any, like the first time you're like what, in, um, going through medical school and whatnot and going and interning, what was your experiences there? So just to clarify, I didn't never went to medical school. I was, I have a master's in social work. I'm a social work therapist. Oh, okay. I thought I misunderstood. Okay. It's okay. I just call myself a therapist because usually social worker means like people think caseworker and ACS, but mm -hmm. I do, I work in a clinic and do individual therapy, group therapy and all that kind of stuff. And I diagnose. Um, so the going through school and I had an internship at a psychiatric hospital. It was an amazing scary sometimes funny um enlightening experience it was, i used to intern in metropolitan hospital in their psychiatric unit it was mm. very eye-opening a lot of cool stories and, and actually i can talk about the things it just happens that i have to just cut out people's names or make up names and you know that kind of stuff 
So when was like a pivotal point in your career? When that actually was the most pivotal moment. I had a pretty bland internship my first year in master's program. It was for a, an organization with chronic illness. And all of a sudden I wanted something more intense. And this made me strong. It made me resilient. It made me hard to deal with things. I, I could handle things now because I went through a psych unit. Nothing got to me as much. I was able to let things brush off and I can actually keep a straight face and be with someone without overreacting because of the psych unit kind of taught me a lesson. Mm. It was eye-opening. Yeah. It was eye-opening. That's amazing. Um, I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but when like somebody's looking for a therapist, what besides the vibe, what are some things that you want to look for positives and negatives? Sure. So one of the first things that I would look for is do they take your insurance? Because money is a huge thing and some therapists could charge, you know, between 250 and $100 or something like that per session. So if you need the help and you want the help, you need to make sure you can actually afford the help. So first I would check insurance. There's a great resources like Psychology Today and ZocDoc and a lot of websites that you can narrow down your search on insurance wise. The second thing I, was do, I would do is find, figure out what problem you're coming for and if that would impede on gender, if you were ever sexually assaulted or physically abused by a male and you might not wanna sit and open up to a male, then you look for a female. And there's no wrong or right answer to that. And then I would look for, if you're looking for age or specialty, some people are certified in certain therapy styles like cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy. Some people focus on anxiety. Some people work really well with teens. So that's, it all depends on what the issue you're going for and making sure that you are getting the person that's actually certified to do what they're saying they're doing. But the first thing, insurance and money. Okay. It sounds sad, but it's true. Yeah. Unfortunately, like you have to pay for, well, yeah, it costs stuff. It costs money to do stuff. So it yeah. makes sense. Like you have to eat too. Yeah, it's true. So, um, so what are like some negative things? Like absolutely red flags. Don't continue seeing that therapist. If someone, if you know more about the therapist and then the therapist knows about you, um, that's a bad thing. Um, mm. Even though it is a relationship, it's a professional relationship and there are boundaries. Mm-hmm. So if you feel uncomfortable because the therapist is sharing too many personal things about themselves, and not focusing on you and they're using your time for their own therapy. That's a huge red flag because Does that happen a lot. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on the therapist. You know, I know that I use my personal life as when it's connected and will help the person that's sitting in my room. Yeah. I won't just sit there and tell them, well, I had a bad day and X, Y, and Z happened to me. And, Oh, you know, you know, my wife and I just got into a fight. I would never do that but I will use stories or little anecdotes from my life to either make them feel comfortable, um, to show that they're not alone, but they don't know like deep, dark secrets of mine Mm -hmm. or what goes on in my daily life because that's inappropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be a first, a big red flag. If, If you know more about the therapist and the therapist knows about you. Okay. The second thing I would say is one of the red flags is comfortability. If, if something makes you uncomfortable, and you feel a gut reaction that's just off, 
whether they're inappropriate with you, all those kind of things, you need to get out because you hear too many stories of doctors and physical therapists and psychologists and mental health workers who cross boundaries and that's just not okay. Mm-hmm. So why go through that? So if you feel uncomfortable, don't blink an eyelash and just go, go out, you know, find out there are plenty of therapists in the areas that mm-hmm. you live in. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. You know, I was always like, I always had this negative stigma towards therapy and I never went like I'm codependent. I'm recovering alcoholic drug addict. And I was like, I'm not going to therapy. I don't need it. I'm not that yeah. bad. Um, and then recently beginning of this year, I started going to talk therapy and absolutely changed my life. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Um, so why do you think there is like such a negative stigma of people going to therapy? I love that you brought that up. Actually, I just posted that on my Instagram for Therapy Thursday. I talked about stigma. I spoke at a conference this past uh, Sunday about stigma. And I mm-hmm. asked a group of teenagers, when I say the word therapy, what do you, what do you think? And majority of the teenagers, there were about 50 of them, I would say majority of them said, you're weird, you're off, you're crazy, you're insane, something's wrong with you, you need extra help. Um, and no one was, po- and a lot of people weren't positive about it. And I think that there is a weird connection that by opening up about your feelings and emotions and being vulnerable equals something bad. And, this, and the funny thing is we're in a day and age where we're about self-help and self-love and taking care of yourself. But mm-hmm. for some reason, mental health still is looked at as a problem. And mm-hmm. then if you say, I have anxiety or depression or bipolar or schizophrenia, you have this label of like something's off with you and you are like a black sheep when it shouldn't mm-hmm. be because you wouldn't get that treatment if it was a physical illness. Right. It just, the, it, you know, if you had cancer, no one would be like, Hey, suck it up, man. Why yeah. you, well, you're, you're so weak for going to a doctor. No, you need extra help. So it's a great point. I don't know why there's a stigma, but there is, there really is. Yeah. You know, I, I was in an abusive relationship uh, last in 2018 um, basically the worst relationship of my, my, of my life, um, sexual abuse, physical, emotional, spiritual, just all around. And like, I, if it wasn't for a therapist, I don't know if I could ever get through that. Yeah. Like I, like there's like one other person in my life that I tell my deepest, darkest secrets to. And, but besides like therapy, like it took lots of therapy, talking to someone professionally that I can trust to go through that process. And like, I don't know, like I've been to, like, I, when I was finding a therapist, I went to like some therapy, some therapists that weren't like not professional at all. Um, they would like reschedule three times in a day. And I'm like, what? Like, no. Like, yeah. Fuck fuck off. Like, yeah. It's, so, it's, you need to have the right connection. If someone's pushing you off, it doesn't make you feel good about it. You don't want to be with this person when they literally turned you down four times. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, um, well, I need to learn how to set boundaries. I apparently I'm going to set a boundary right now. Good. So yeah. Um, so let's talk about your Kelly Clarkson experience. Yeah. It was crazy. How did you crazy. come across that? Like what What's the, so my wife is in a support group for breastfeeding mm. and 
there was a guy who wrote a post about dad's involvement in breastfeeding. And my, it was put in the group and my wife said, you gotta check out this guy because I was struggling as a new dad to find support for new dads because unfortunately there really isn't that much for new dads. There's a lot of stuff for new moms, rightfully so. They go through a lot to pregnancy and birth. It's tough, it's rough, and it's really hard on you, but there's not a lot of support for dads. So I found this guy, Chronicles of a Daddy, his name is. Uh, he's a great guy. Um, and I commented on a random post, this post saying, hey man, thanks for being great support for dads. You know, uh, keep it up. A month later, I get a phone call, an Instagram message, a LinkedIn message, uh, an email through my website saying, hey, this is, uh, I'm going to use a different name for her just because I don't know if she wants me saying, uh, my name is uh, Stephanie from Kelly Clarkson Show. Uh, we would have you on. And I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like being punked by Ashley. <laughs> why that? I don't know why that versus Kelly Clarkson could have been real, but um, I call them and they're like, yeah, no, this is real. We're featuring this guy, Chronicles of a Daddy, and we want to bring you out to like, as a therapist, we love your page and as a new dad. So I was like, oh, I'm going to be in LA in a couple of weeks for the Jewish holidays. And they're like, no, 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 it's happening this week. Oh. So I had to move all my clients around and I, I, I made it work. I flew out Wednesday night, landed Thursday morning, filmed for a couple hours. They flew me back out Thursday night. I landed Friday morning, went back to work. Wow. And they had car service. They treated me. And I was literally on TV for two minutes, literally on TV. For two <laughs> minutes. How they found me, I don't know. The other dad had four, like 32,000 followers. This guy, Chronicles Daddy, has 40,000 followers. I have 600 and maybe 50. Mm -hmm. But they looked, and there were 780 other people who commented on that post. Wow. So I was really honored. They were so nice and so sweet. Everyone, uh, they drove me across the street from the hotel to the studios. And I said to the driver, I said, dude, I can walk. I have a carry-on. He, <laughs> he said, I, had, I literally had a carry-on in my nap. And he goes, no, sir, we don't let celebrities walk. I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> and, it was really, and they asked, it was great. Awesome. That man commenting on a post randomly. That's, that's pretty cool. what did you guys talk about on the show? Like what? So they were doing a segment on fatherhood. Mm -hmm. So my piece was with this other, da other dads was supposed to show him that he helped other dads out there and to keep it up. And they were asking me as a therapist, what would you tell new dads as a therapist? How did he help you? That was the spot. That was a, it was literally two minutes mm. in the entire show. It was great. It was very cool. I had thoughts of like, okay, here we go. I'm going to be the therapist for Kelly Clarkson. Here I come next Dr. Phil. So <laughs> you just never know. So I went to yeah. the show. It was so, it was amazing. I was so calm and collected. Now I struggle with anxiety. Mm -hmm. I had no anxiety through the entire process. I felt so at home. It was so weird. I felt this wonderful calm being on stage in front of the camera with them. It was great. It was great. Mm, yeah. That's, that'd be pretty cool. I would probably think the, like, is this a prank also? That's for sure. I love That's the first thing I said. I said, is this real? And Stephanie said, do you want me to send me you my, um, my badge? I said, no, no, no I, I believe you. She's like, yeah, we're, we actually are going to fly you out within two hours of me saying yes, they had a itinerary, the whole nine yards within two hours. They had a, plane ticket car service hotel everything i was like damn wow so you got 
you go, go like how like and i was the only person flown out it was ridiculous they it was ridiculous awesome that's i would cool. do it again tomorrow if they asked me again by the way yeah <laughs> just <laughs> for sure that's awesome just, just saying you know just saying if any show wants me i'll be out there in a second <laughs> Love it. Um, so let's talk about the struggles of being a new dad. Like what, one, what do you think are the most struggles? And I'm sure each individual person is different, but yeah. your experience, what was your top three most struggles? That's a great question. And I love talking about this because I think that there aren't enough people talking about dads. Mm -hmm. um, the first for me was distance. Mm -hmm. uh, um latched on with the baby right away. My baby, it was a crazy birth. We lost her heartbeat. It was so stressful. Thank God she's all good. She's all good. And she, she's a beautiful five-month-old baby. Her name is Ricky. She's wonderful. But I felt so distant and removed from her because my, my wife had this beautiful connection to her. She carried her for nine months and she was feeding her every day. And I did nothing. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, I held her, I kissed her, I changed her diapers, but I felt like I wasn't a part of this beautiful connection that they had. Mm -hmm. And I adore my wife and I love her and I think she's a warrior for what she went through and she deserves that connection. But I felt like, I was like, hey, like, what about me? And everything changed when I had paternity leave. Mm. And it was just me and my baby. And now we are inseparable. She can't stop staring at me. She loves her daddy and it's a different, it's like a, a leaf was just turned over and it was a whole new life. That was mm -hmm. the first, that was the first issue. Okay. The sec, the second struggle I had was my own anxiety. Every noise in the middle of the night, I would have panic attacks thinking that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I, every little cry, I was worried that it would last forever. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was just so nervous around her she's so new and fragile and I was just on edge about making sure that she was okay. Mm -hmm. And that passed when she got older and I got to deal with her more. And now I literally hold her with one arm, change her with the other arm. And I'm, you know, throwing her around doing this, that, and the other thing like the, like no one's business. And it's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. So do you, you have any like yeah. tips or anything like to get that closer connection with the child in such a young age? Yeah. So for me, it was, I made sure I did things that was just me and her. Mm. Okay. I made sure there were So I would hold her. I would sing to her. I would read to her. Um, I would like make um, a pattern, you know, that for like say the mornings or the nights or whatever time of day was you and daddy time. I started watching sports with my baby. She's five months old. She doesn't know what the hell is going on. Mm -hmm. But she sits there and watches with me, and it's our time. And I talk to her, and I make jokes with her, and I play with her. It's about creating FaceTime with the baby, that they recognize you and hear your voice. Because, yes, the mother, if they're breastfeeding, automatically has a connection without even trying yeah. um, because the baby needs to eat. So there's other things that the baby needs to change his diaper to, you know, be loved and maybe to nap on you. So I was the king and I, I still, I hope, I think, I think I still am. Uh, <laughs> um, I my baby to sleep and her fault, taking a nap on me. Like mm -hmm. that was, I felt so bonded to her 
because she would lie on my chest and I would just sit there and sometimes I would fall asleep, sometimes I would watch TV, but it was me and her alone, no one else. And that that's was the, that, that's what made the connection for me personally. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you, um, so the other day I was in a coffee shop and I saw like this flyer for like a new dad's group in my local hometown. And do you think there's like lots of those out there? I think it's that's I didn't know that they do that. That's great. I'm sure they're out there, and I I hope there are more. And I think that it's becoming more of a thing because the roles, like the gender roles, are becoming um, mixed. Yes, you know, which is which is good at you know good and bad. Whatever you believe in politics, whatever it is, I can care less. But it's you know it's a beautiful thing when the father's is home and the mother's working and the there's the the father's working in the mother's home men are taking a bigger role in raising children um, Mm -hmm. because there is a huge connection between health and um, stability in someone's life when it comes to having um, stable parents. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a need for if a dad is struggling to have support, there's support groups for everything. Mm -hmm. You were, you you said you, you had an issue with drugs, right? Mm -hmm. There's NA, there's AA, there's yep. porn, you know, groups for pornography addiction. There's group for shopping addiction. There's group for every issue on, in the world. Yeah. So why yeah. not? Why not have a group for something that's positive? Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, definitely, twelve step groups um, in any format have had a significant impact on my life. Um, being a, a place where you can open up and be vulnerable and have that safe place, and like knowing exactly. that you're not alone is something truly magical happens in that room beautiful i know when i I, when i started posting and being very vulnerable and honest about the struggles of me being a dad and how i was having a hard time looking at her and in the beginning i'm gonna be honest with you my wife had this instant connection of love Mm -hmm. i loved her because she was my child have this overjoyed overflowing you know magical disney-esque love of my baby until a few weeks in where it like it hit me Mm -hmm. i was so overwhelmed with stress and so nervous around her that i didn't focus on the the beauty of it and when i i posted something like that on instagram and and, and facebook and a a friend of mine messaged me personally he's like damn it like i didn't know i was i thought i was the only one thank you so much yeah I wasn't doing it for him. I was doing it to vent. I was doing it as a therapist to show that I, I'm a human. You yeah. just never know who might be in the same boat as you. So these yeah. support groups are great because it makes you feel not alone. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I love getting messages, emails, DMs, whatever, from somebody listened to a past episode and they're like, oh my gosh, like, thank you so much for that. And I'm like, if I can, like, my purpose was to inspire one person. One person. And then just getting, sometimes it's three, sometimes five, sometimes zero a day. But keep getting those messages yeah. like, yes, uh, like awesome. At least somebody's listening and at least somebody's getting something out of it. It gives you motivation to continue because it's hard to create content. It's hard, I'm saying, but to find people and to take some time and effort and sweat and, and it's struggle. So when you have that one person who randomly messages you and you don't expect it, it can change the couple of weeks that you've been struggling to turn over and be like, yeah, there's a reason I'm doing this. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, thank you. So like, how do you think 
you can manage a work-life balance being a father? It's a great question. It's actually something that I'm struggling with right now. Mm. That I literally had a discussion with my wife about uh, this week because we just put our baby in babysitting. And as a therapist, I have really wacky hours. Some days I work 10 hours a day. Like today is a Thursday. I worked four, five hours. I went eight o'clock to 12 o'clock, four hours. And then I do other things for the house and I help out. But it's hard because I want to see my baby. I want to see my wife. At the same time, I love what I do. And the way that I think of it is that this is only temporary because I'm in the beginning of my career. So when I do have more private practice and I do have more flexibility, I can make it how I want. Um, but for now, I'm kind of at the, um, the pleasure of whoever I work for. Yeah. But it is a struggle. And I don't know how people do it. I really don't. You know, you have things to take care of around the house. You want to chill. You want to watch whatever a billion TV shows that are on now with all the new streaming things. Yeah. And you also want alone time and to spend time with your wife or spouse or whoever it is or your kids. You know, and there's only a certain amount of time a day. Yeah. So it is a struggle. I struggle with it. Some days I'm better than others. And some days I don't know what to do. Well, and we're all human. So yeah. <laughs> being honest, I love it. Um, do you, you think there's a lot of like a uh, th- lot of talk therapy going on uh, virtually? And how do you feel about that? It's a, it's a new thing. It's a great question. It's called like telehealth is a new thing. Um, personally, as a therapist, I like having someone in my office. Mm-hmm. I'm very big on reading body language. Um, even with Skype or like a video uh, chat, you can see it, but I like to be there with the person mm-hmm. because it is, even though I can see you or you can see me, it's very distant still. I mm-hmm. like, like to have have that person so that's the only thing you can do is a phone call or a video chat and that's the only connection that you have to services and that's going to help you good for you but if you have an option to do one-on-one or in-person things i think that that has a better positive long-term impact than it would the other side i think for psychiatry it's not as needed to be in person because it's more medication management with psychiatry nowadays mm-hmm. um so it's more like okay how are you feeling how the side effects what's your weight how are you doing okay great you're doing good 15 minutes done here your medication i'll see you in a couple of months mm-hmm. with therapy it's very personal it's vulnerable it's like you said it, it's uh it's something that's you've never said certain things to anyone else other than your therapist so why would you want to do that over the phone or in a skype interview or skype video and i would rather do it in person yeah yeah when i can do my interviews in person like i will uh because it has that more human connection yeah in person you're getting that that the energy that you wouldn't get over the a video like the video definitely it's it's there but it's not like it would be in person so uh, um i can i definitely get that um, so what do you do? Like, I know like you're just said that you're struggling with like the work life balance, but what do you do to, you know, what's Eli's time? So my time is either working out. I love CrossFit. Mm. Um, it's my therapy other than I also go to a therapist, yeah. but it's my, an extra added therapy that, um, I, I get my mind off of things. I feel great about myself. It makes me really happy. I love to read. I'm an avid reader, a little obsessive about my reading. I have so many books. It's a wonderful, wonderful passion of mine. And I love uh, watching a good comedy or a good movie. 
Mm. I love to cook. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, how long have you been doing CrossFit for? On and off for about two to three years. I am not consistent enough to like do the crazy movements and crazy weight, but I do it when I can and when I can afford it because it is expensive. Um, but it's something that I found as an investment for my mental health and self-care that if I don't do that, any workout, it could be any working out. It could be, you know, going to a regular gym. It could be any, you know, home gym, insanity workout, whatever those things are. Mm -hmm. It has to be something that makes me, you know, use my body and sweat it out because that's, it helps me a lot to be clear minded for my family and clear minded for my clients. Oh yeah, for sure. I go to the gym probably four to seven days a week. Oh, so jealous. <laughs> Which I'm a single guy, not married. So and no kids, so I can. So basically, then, you're you're a beast, and you're swole, and you're you're jacked. I wouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> I'd like to think that, but I try to keep my ego in check. In check. Yeah, good for you. Good for you. No, so it's some days are easier than others. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, like in Helena, Montana, where I'm at, it's like 150 bucks a month to do CrossFit or something. Yeah. Like, and a gym membership is 25. Yeah. So I can definitely. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I, I, I don't do CrossFit mainly because like, I'm not flexible enough to do the lifts. And my, my, my focus right now is more just, it was powerlifting and now I'm going back down to bodybuilding. Beautiful. So, yeah. Whatever uh, works, right? Each person has their thing. Some people love gymnastics. Some people like this workout some will like you know high intensity some will like weights and like running yeah you know whatever yeah. whatever you know uh floats your boat exactly exactly you know everyone's fitness goals are different 100 percent. um so who's your favorite author oh man that's a really hard question it depends on what and for what okay i i've really been loving uh i love charles duhigg the you know power of habits um, I like, I love Mark Manson, the, uh, the subtle art of not giving enough an F mm. he's great. He's yeah. so up your, like in your face, you know, I love his, his bluntness. And, um, when I was younger, I loved Dale Carnegie and Tony Robbins, but, uh, moving away from that stuff, more research-based kind of things. And, um, I just started reading Lori Gottlieb's book. You should talk to someone. It's about she's a therapist it's supposed to be unbelievable i just started today mm, nice so it depends it depends on my mood also as a as an orthodox religious jew i also read you know stuff about the bible so it depends on my mood you know if i'm, I'm reading a religious book am i reading you know a non-fiction fiction i love biographies memoirs also as well mm, anything nice. under the sun i love it anything okay fair enough yeah there are so many great authors and different genres out there that so true like i grew up on james patterson okay you know all those books i loved that and then i finished them all so i had to find you know and then you, you know the classic jk rowling is also fun but you never know mm, i like that usually i read like business books entrepreneurs books like uh yeah finance books and then i picked up i don't even i forgot the author's name but it's the uh called the mastery of love yeah and uh it uh, is pretty much like i've only in like 
the first chapter, but they talk about uh, you wouldn't treat a sick person as if they had cancer and you don't want to like reopen the wound and yeah, some really deep stuff. I, I love it. And it's a completely different type of book than I normally read. Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention, by the way, one of the people that I love using in therapy and I read a lot is Brene Brown. Mm. I find it great. But like, yeah. I know no one else can see this, but like, this is my like library of just books. Of just books. Nice. <laughs> so just, you know, like I just love reading and I have other places, like random places in my apartment. You'll just find books in like little nooks and crannies in my apartment. Nice. I love it. Fun stuff. I love it. That's amazing. Uh, what's your... Uh favorite Brene Brown? Um, I think Daring Greatly um, for me was where she really became famous and had her TED talk and um, the concept of vulnerability to me is very powerful. As a man, I find that that is not something that is discussed because, you know, men are supposed to man up and suck it up and be a man. Yeah. Um, while we have emotions and we have feelings and um, this is all something that Lewis Howes, the guy, uh, I don't know if you know. Lewis oh, Howes. no, he is my favorite podcast. I'm oh, trying to model his man. podcast. He's the man. I yeah. wish I could meet him. He's so great. Um, so he also, him and Justin Baldoni are pushing this concept of what it means to be a true man and mm -hmm. be in touch with your emotions and being vulnerable. Yeah. So when Brene Brown wrote that, I thought it was a huge eye opener for people in general that it's okay. And when she discussed what vulnerability actually means, how to access it, the pros and cons of it. I thought that was her, not that her other works aren't great. I just think that was her point where it changed her from being just a regular professor in a school to being a, a force to be reckoned with in the mental health world. Yeah, for sure. I love yeah. that you brought up Lewis Howes. I, everyone that I talk to in interviews and not, they have no idea who he is. And I listen to him on a daily I'm basis. I'm obsessed with him. I'm yeah. obsessed with him. I listen to his podcast. I find him real. I find him relatable, even though we are nowhere near close to each other. But he answers my Instagram posts and he, you know, Twitter things when I comment on stuff. He's a real guy who mm -hmm. just wants to help people and spread knowledge and education. Yeah. I'm obsessed with him. Yeah. I... His book, Masks and Masculinity. I suggest that to all the guys I work with as a client sometimes. I push that book because to learn what masks, masks you wear and put out there helps you learn about yourself. And we all wear a mask. We all put some persona on. Oh, yeah. So just so insightful. Defining on who we are, not who society thinks we are. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, I was growing up in high school. I always like had this mask that like, oh, I'm a drug dealer because nobody loves me. I'm going to sell drugs just to get that love and affection. And then I'm, yeah. And then it's, Oh, now I'm the sober one and I'm just going to be like, fuck you. I'm sober. Da, 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 da. And just like, that's yeah. Yes. Those are things in my life, but that's not who Robert is. If you took those things and those materialistic things away from me, then yeah. I like, who am I? What are my values? And I really love how he breaks it down. And uh, I, came across his uh, podcast when I was like living on the streets in Las Vegas in 2018 and it completely changed my life. You should, I'm telling you, you should message him on Instagram. Tell him that. Cause he does respond. I literally have many of times I've emailed him. Oh. Um, the most that he Love does him. is uh, a heart. Yeah. 
the most that he does is that. Um, I've his team emails me back, and I'm gonna go uh, volunteer at the Summit of Greatness. Good then, for you. So, uh, but yeah, and I rate it and review his podcast all the time. But maybe one day he'll be on the other side of the screen. But maybe. you should be so lucky. You should be blessed for that. That'd be amazing for you. Yeah, yeah, it would. And you should be on his. Yeah, eventually. That's the plan. One day. One day. Uh, so I got one last question for you. Well, I got a couple last questions for you. Go for it. But the last one, really, um, what's your message to the world? You know, I've been, being, I've been thinking about that lately. And um, the message to the world that I have is that if you're suffering or struggling, reach out. Get help. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. There is nothing wrong with you. No one is normal. No one is normal. We all have our issues. We all have our struggles. And it's something my mission and why I created my movement or company or whatever you want to call it called Elevation is to try to help people be in touch with relatable, digestible, attainable mental health that you can rely on and is there that sees you as a person, supports you as a person, loves you for whoever you are and wants to see you succeed. And I hate seeing people suffer. It's why I became a therapist. And it's something that is my mission in life is to be a household name, to know that people have someone in their corner. Mm. That's really it. Amazing. Love it. So where can people find you? So I'm on Facebook, Ellie Weinstein. Um, I'm on Instagram, elevation underscore LMSW. I have a website, www.elevation.org. Uh, reach out whenever you want, whenever you can. I do answer. It is me. I'm not that famous at all. So it actually is me. I got no team behind me. Um, and would love to hear from anyone who's willing to talk to me. And I can't wait to help you and help you on your journey, whatever it is. Man, love it. Right on. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time, man. Robert, thank you for having me. It was great. It was so nice talking to you. Yeah, thanks. All right. And